I'd like to ask a favor of you as I begin. Do not think of the word elephant. Do not think of the word elephant, please. Whatever you do, Jonathan, don't think about an elephant. What are you thinking about, Jonathan? Yes. I just asked one thing. That was all. (laughs) Scripture says, be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see that throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament. Don't be afraid. What might you be thinking about? Being afraid. So in circumstances, when we are afraid, when our first emotion is that of fear, how do we respond as to overcome that fear? Do we just tell ourselves, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid? If so, we're thinking about being afraid. There's a story in Scripture where the disciples of Jesus were afraid. And Jesus addresses their fear with a statement that allows us to understand why we might respond to certain circumstances or situations with fear first, and then what we can do to overcome it, rather than just perhaps wallowing in our fear. Turn with me to Mark. You know, it just occurred to me, in old baseball stadiums, there would be certain seats that you would be able to purchase and they would be called partial view seats. Bob, you've been ripped off this morning. You have a partial view seat. This post here is between me and you. But I hope you can see through it. In Mark chapter 4, we're going to read a story that we've heard before. Jesus had been teaching parables all day. Evening came, and he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, a short statement, let's go over to the other side. But that statement in and of itself would have caused at least a bit of apprehension within the disciples. Because on the other side of the lake was an area where probably they'd never been before. And they knew that the other side of the lake was famous or infamous, you might say, for people who were not keeping the customs and the traditions of the Jewish law appropriately. Do you remember what they find when they actually land on the other side of the lake? They find a demon-possessed man and his buddy. And then when Jesus heals that man, 
he cast the demon into what? A herd of pigs. Case in point, were they following kosher laws on the other side of the lake? Absolutely not. If they were herding pigs, you weren't allowed to eat the bacon and you weren't allowed to farm the bacon. And so heading to the other side of the lake would have caused a bit of apprehension from the very first amongst the disciples. So that's commonly a bit of a detail that we miss in the first part of this story. You know what's going to happen next, right? Let's go to the other side of the lake. But as the disciples get in the boat, they don't know what's going to happen next. Perhaps they're looking forward to getting in the boat. You'd been in the boat before. You knew the situation. You knew what to do in a boat if you were James, John, Peter, Andrew. This was standard procedure for you. Maybe if you were Matthew, you hadn't been in a Maybe there were others who weren't that familiar with what to do on a boat. But by and large, it wasn't something that you were just scared to do. But you did know in the Sea of Galilee that storms could pick up quickly. The Sea of Galilee itself sits low, and the mountains around it rise. So if you have a low basin and you have high mountains around you, what can happen? Well, you've got airflow. And so you've got the ability of this interaction of cold air and warm air to be able to very quickly have little thunderstorms. And that was often what happened on the Sea of Galilee. And it says in verse 36, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? There's a lot that we could talk about from this particular interaction. But what we want to talk about this morning is the fear that engulfed the disciples during this storm. What is your current storm and what are you afraid of? Not just like, are you afraid of heights? But what are you fearful of right now? Does it have to do with economic uncertainty? Does it have to do with Losing a loved one that's very close to you? Does it have to do with the uncertainty of the pandemic? Are you afraid of what's going to happen when your kids go back to school? Or even worse, if they don't go back to school? What are you afraid of? Often the initial response is to get caught up in focusing on the circumstance and try to handle the circumstance in our own way first. Because we've seen it, we know what is best, and so our focus is on the circumstance and on what we can do to address the circumstance. 
This may happen in a moment sometimes. And you see in this story and in the narrative of Mark, it just happens like this, right? It probably didn't really just happen like that. And it probably doesn't happen just that quick in our life. It may be a slow process. But in the moment, we focus on the circumstance. And then the initial response is, let me take care of this in my way. And we get swept up, literally, in being focused on the circumstance. Now, the response of the disciples is what I believe the Holy Spirit through Mark wants us to learn from this story. Teacher, they say, don't you care if we drown? The fear of the moment has caused the disciples to question the love of the Master. Oftentimes, the fear of the moment causes us to question the love of the Master. Jesus loved them when He first met them. Jesus loved them while He was speaking on the hillside that day. And he loved them in the storm. And in fact, you might even be able to say he loved them enough to allow the storm to rage. Our challenge is that we often allow the circumstance to get in the way or to cause us to question the love of the Master. And that's a fairly natural response to fear. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Of course He did. And we might say, and of course they weren't going to drown. But they were focused on the circumstance, and they were focused on taking care of it themselves and in their way, and if we try to take care of a circumstance in our own way without reliance upon the Lord, fear will always be the end result, and then questioning the love of the Master will be the consequence. Whatever the storm might be. And we have to be fair to the disciples, right? They'd never seen Jesus calm a storm before. This was something that had never happened to them before. But Jesus doesn't just pat him on the back when he wakes up, does he? And just say, it'll all be all right. What does Jesus say? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Peace, be still. The same words that Mark and Luke used to record Jesus and His interaction with the demon-possessed man are the same words that are used here. He rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, 
peace be still. Jesus immediately calms the storm. We can't overlook the significance of Jesus calming waters. A sea that was unsettled had always been used in Hebrew culture to describe the most fearful of situations. Anything that was bad in prophecy in Isaiah or Daniel, anything that was evil, anything that was opposing the forces of good would always come out of the sea. Because the sea was the thing that couldn't be controlled. The sea was the one thing that men had no power over. But when Jesus woke up from his rest, he calmed the sea. Why? Because before the sea was in existence, Jesus was. Jesus was the creative power that had made the sea, and therefore he could speak to the sea and calm the waters. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Or in other words, don't think of the word elephant. Why are you so afraid? What does Jesus use to teach them about overcoming their fear? He says, where is your faith? That's the question we have to answer. Where is our faith? It's almost as if faith was something they had dropped and they needed to pick up. (laughs) Where were they hiding it? He wasn't waking up and then going to zap them with faith. He was saying, you had... At your disposal, what you needed to not be afraid in this situation. That's what he's saying. You had what you needed not to calm the storm, but to be at peace in the storm. He's not saying that they had the power to make the wind stop blowing. He's not saying that they had the power to save the boat from sinking. He's saying they had what they needed in that moment... To not panic. First of all, when faced with fear, don't panic. Step back. Faith. What had these men seen up to this point in Mark that was at their disposal to allow them to be at peace in the middle of that storm. You can go back and just read the first three chapters of Mark. You can see Jesus healed people who were paralyzed. He had cast out demons. You can go to the other gospel accounts and see what they had witnessed up to this point. What they had not witnessed was Jesus calming a storm. Yet, what they had seen 
should have given them, according to Jesus, the ability to activate their faith and to make sense of the storm that was around them and say, although Jesus is sleeping, He's not going to allow us to be overcome by the storm. And it's the same with us. Although we are experiencing something we have never experienced before, job loss, sickness, fear and uncertainty around us, or all of them at the same time. We have witnessed things that ought to allow us to say, He can make me be at peace in the storm, even while the storm rages on around me. Peace, be still. And the winds obeyed Him. Don't panic. Don't focus on the wind and the waves and then try and do it on your own power. And then, ask yourself, what have I seen and what do I know to be true? So that I can activate the faith in Jesus to be at peace in the situation. And look at what we've seen, brothers and sisters. What have we seen that gives us a tremendous advantage in this century? We've seen His promises fulfilled from beginning to end. In fact, He's given us the end. We've got that crazy book at the end of the Bible that lets us know what? We win. It doesn't matter. We win. And we've got the Gospels that tell us Satan led the most furious storm possible against all of humanity. And Jesus, the Son of God, walked out of the tomb and defeated Him. We win. And so the power of the storm is nothing. The one who is in our boat counts for everything. Jesus is Lord. He is Son of God. And so we do not panic. And we step back and we say, what do we know to be true? Feelings aren't always true. Emotions take us one way and the other. 